Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Thank you, Farad, and uh, welcome, my friends, to another edition of Another Day Above Ground. This is where we like to talk to people our own age, because we just don't get the kids out there today, you know. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is a program for baby boomers, and three of us host it. In addition to myself, please welcome from uh, Denver, Colorado, Carolyn Strauss. Hey everybody and it is dead summer and i'm thinking we're you know we're thinking about kids today so ice cream ice cream ice cream nobody's unhappy when they're eating ice cream well there you go all right yep. and truer words never spoken and from indiana please welcome the aristotle of comedy mr tim slagle i just heard that joe biden was shocked to learn that millions of illegal aliens were crossing the southern border apparently his wife told him they were just breakfast tacos <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice tie-in. I can't believe she said that. Very, very nice. Who's ever had a breakfast taco? <laughs> tacos are for tacos are for dinner. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> Are you guys fans of breakfast burritos? Did you grow up with that? Or is that a new Western thing? So all my friends are like, let's go for breakfast burritos. I thought burritos were for dinner. I grew up with Cheerios. So yeah. that's what you have for breakfast. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a newish thing, but, but but I've had breakfast burritos before. It's just a burrito with, with, with all the breakfast ingredients and maybe Yeah, it's a bacon few. and eggs inside of a burrito instead of uh, with toast. So. Yeah. You know, it's a handheld breakfast. That's yeah. all it is, right? Because yeah. you, if you put it on toast, it's hard to carry it around with you. It's, so uh, it's a hot dog, a handheld breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, the, the, the McMuffin was a handheld breakfast. And, and, That's uh, true. And, yeah. and my favorite, I don't I don't know if you guys are into the McDonald's breakfast sandwiches, but uh, the, the McGriddle, amazing. Wasn't and what that is the that? Pancakey thing that had the syrup built in. Yes, it is a like, pancake and has little bubbles of syrup in it. So you get a sausage McGriddle. It's like pancakes and sausage that you can hold in your hand. It's wow. it's it probably one of the uh, with penis up with penicillin and nuclear energy. It's probably <laughs> one of the th- biggest inventions of all time. My wife and I were recently down in Nashville, as was Carolyn, but we wanted to go out for breakfast. So there was a Cracker Barrel right across the street from the hotel we were staying at. I love Cracker Barrel. Yeah, well, I walked in and the line was winding through the gift shop. That's how long it was to get into the... So I said, no, let's not do this. Let's go someplace else. And the next place we came across was the Waffle House. Now, unless unless you've uh, you've you've toured and gotten hungry at midnight like Tim and I have, you really have no reason to ever go into a Waffle House. <laughs> and this was her first experience at the Waffle House. It's like eating and... White Castle sober. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. My one of my favorite memories of my entire life is a Waffle House memory. So finish what Linda thought about it. Down well, she was she was astounded actually by the the grime and the grease and the filth. And there was like she looked over the counter where we were sitting, and there's like a broken egg on the floor that had been there for a while. <laughs> Nobody ever thought to pick it up. 
<laughs> and so and so that was uh, that was her experience at the Awful House. The Did- thing about Waffle House is the smell and the grease gets in your hair. Like everybody that you meet knows that you were just at a Waffle House <laughs> because you smell <laughs> like you were just at a Waffle House. <laughs> you ever checked out the jukebox at a Waffle House? Somebody was playing it. Yeah, it's all <laughs> Waffle House songs. It, it, it's it, it's it's like it's like a couple dozen country artists, but they're all singing about Waffle House in some in some way or another. There, it, it's uh, it's amazing. Well, That's you know. Great. You got you to market somehow, I guess. When I was on the Home Shopping Network, my dad actually came with me one time and he came to the studio and watched me on TV and stuff. And I got finished at 2.30 in the morning. And we were on our way back. We were staying at the Courtyard Marriott or something right near there. And um, on the way back, and he's like, you want to go get something to eat? Which I never did when I was alone at 2.30 in the morning because didn't feel safe. But I'm with my dad. We went, he's like, you've got to experience Waffle House. So 2.30 in the morning, <laughs> we're the only people there. Me and my dad had, like, he had a full-on breakfast. He had bacon and eggs and toast and big cups of coffee. He was really happy at 3 in the morning. It was very cute. <laughs> it's one of my favorite memories ever. Wow. In Tampa. <laughs> Based In around Tampa. the Waffle House. Yeah. Now I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Please don't. Someday you'll get to do that with your granddaughter. She'll be working somewhere and you'll say at 2 in the morning, let's go to a Waffle House. It will be one of her favorite memories ever. We're going to IHOP instead. So. <laughs> now, if you want to, you know, baby boomers always think that we're, we're getting old. And if you really, really want to feel old, this week marked the 60th anniversary of the very first performance given by the Rolling Stones was at a club in London 60 years ago Mick Jagger was 18 years old so absolute truth that is before I was born (laughs) you can't question it because it's absolutely oh my god that's before I was born that was a long time ago yeah, that's I. I found that uh, absolute. I mean, I, holy crap! I can't believe I've been listening to him for that long. Wow! So Harris. they've been they've been they've been playing uh, they've been stealing black people's music since uh, before <laughs> bl- since black people actually weren't allowed to be on white radio. There so, you go. That's so. why they took it. They figure, well, who's going to come after us? You know. I heard that Harrison Ford just turned eighty. Indiana Jones is. 80 years old. So is Paul McCartney. Oh, my God. I think Ringo yeah. is 82. Yeah. Just turned 82. So. It, it, is, so, so, so they're doing one more Indiana Jones film, though, right? They're, they're, they're working on... I don't... It's starring him? Yeah. It's, is it's Sean Connery be... still playing his dad? <laughs> because that's something. It's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be Indiana Jones, please kill me this time. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the gold-plated bedpan. <laughs> the nursing home of doom. <laughs> the nursing home of doom. That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not, getting, we're not getting any younger, no matter how much Carolyn fights it. We're not getting any younger. <laughs> well, you know... A lot of us, uh, including myself, are now starting to have grandchildren, or actually many of you have had them for quite some time, never really knowing what to do with them. And we found a special guest today who wrote a book just for grandparents and for grandchildren. And uh, we find him to be very, very intriguing because he goes by the name of Gramps. 
Gramps Jeffrey, who is a, an author and an entrepreneur, and I like by the he goes by Gramps because I too am a grandfather, and my granddaughter calls me Pop after the sound my knees make when I stand up. <laughs> so, uh, so anyhow, Gramps Jeffrey, welcome to another day above ground. Hey, I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks so much. Well, the reason why you're uh, you called yourself Gramps Jeffrey is you just wrote a book about being a grandfather, I think. Well, it's about a lot of things, but primarily how to handle uh, little kids. And it's called I Don't Want to Turn Three. And I, I read it because I don't want to turn 73. But, this is, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to turn three. Interesting, interesting book about a little boy named Jordan who is essentially a thief. And <laughs> he just <laughs> steals, steals all the other kids' toys. But it's an interesting moral to the story. But as he was just about to turn three, it means he's a two-year-old. And I really, I, 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 I can't envision my granddaughter being similar to him. What did you base him on? Well, you know, the real theme of the book is at what age do we begin to take responsibility for our actions? You know, is it three years old? Is it 13 years old as a 23, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I got plenty of 63 years old that still don't take responsibilities for their actions. Why yeah. should we? Yeah. You know, we're old enough now where, you know, if we break wind, we blame it on the dog. You know, if we hit, get a dent in the car, we blame it on the guy next to us in the parking lot. Why and lifetime we? in prison isn't that long. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Not that big of a deterrent anymore. Actually, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the age where we don't care about stuff anymore. It's uh, it's it's we're allowed to become bigoted racists. <laughs> it's expected. Wow, it's expected. So what what uh, what do you think is the age of uh, age of reason, Gramps? Well, the age of reason is, I think, is for all of us right now. You know. I wrote the book, I Don't Want to Turn Three. You know, my uh, nine-year-old granddaughter came to me yesterday, and she says, Gramps, I got a great idea for our next book. And I said, what's that? She says, I don't want to turn 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you don't want to turn 10? Why don't you want to turn 10? And she says to me, she says, you know, I got to start thinking about, uh, I've got to learn how to drive. And I said, that's another seven years. Why are you even worrying about it now? And she says, you know, I got to worry about thinking about picking out a college and, you know, I, and I don't know what to do. And I said, that's another, you know, nine years. Why are you worrying about it now? And she says, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid to do double digits. I don't want to turn 10. I'm happy with nine. And so, you know, I guess we all have that same thing as we grow older. Uh, do I want to turn 70? Do I want to turn 40? Do I want to turn 30? You know, it's, I think we're all facing that same dilemma. See, My midlife so crisis started the day I turned 20. <laughs> it lasted for 20 years. And when I turned 40, I sold the leather jacket, cut off the dreadlocks. <laughs> and everyone said, oh, Tim's going through a midlife crisis. It's like, no, it's over. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I, know what you, I know what you mean, because, uh, you know, I needed glasses when I turned 40. But I, would, I took a whole year before I got them. I was too vain. You know, so I went through a whole year. I didn't see anything. Uh, okay. So we, we all have those choices to make. I had a hard time reading the Atlas when I was driving. I used to be really good at it. At one time, I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, I thought I needed new shock absorbers. <laughs> <laughs> the car was vibrating too much. 
You know, Carolyn, Carolyn's working on a new book uh, for retirement income. It's called I Don't Want to Turn Tricks. And it's how to <laughs> I think <laughs> it's she how to I think make she, extra money legally. I think she means she doesn't want to become a magician, Dale. <laughs> That's all I meant. Thank you, Tim. Magician is one step above ventriloquist. <laughs> and two above mimes. So, <laughs> so what should we? Uh, what what should adults get out of out of your book? Well, we should really get. You know, this is when uh, the little kids learn the difference between me and us. You know, and and when you think about it, what really are the parents' responsibilities in this world? You know, it's uh, with all this craziness. Uh, this information, uncertainty, cruelty, all the differences and opinions going on right now. You know, what are, what is the role of parents in today's world? You know, obviously we're there to, to uh, uh, provide food for kids, place to live, provide financial support, you know, medical care, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we need to provide a safe environment and all that. So, you know, what is our role? Well, our role is to teach these little kids honesty, responsibility, kindness, independence, you know, respect, positive. So to things. teach them to teach them how to not be a politician. Yeah, that's probably uh, pretty, you know, we gotta still gotta teach them creativity, healthy eating and exercise in today's world. How do you do that? Uh, you know, we have to teach them that uh, success can come from learning from failure. You know, and I, I can imagine everybody on this call has some failure they can talk about that they have learned from. You know, but the most important thing we have to do is teach these kids how to have fun. You know, when you think about it, these kids are coming right out of the womb, right onto the internet. You know, I didn't get on the internet until I was 40 years old. You know, these kids are, they're just piling out this way. So they are learning electronics. They are learning the internet. You know, we as parents and grandparents and baby boomers, we have got to be able to balance that for these kids and teach them all these other things in life that will make them whole. My granddaughter called me last night on FaceTime and she was holding the phone and everything, which was very interesting because she didn't care how she was holding the phone. So <laughs> half the time I was looking at the floor or looking at the ceiling, but, but it's, it, I mean, it's amazing that they, they, they get indoctrinated to that type of technology at such an early age. Oh, well, yeah. my dad was amazed that I could dial a phone. <laughs> so. it's funny I, I have a story about that about 15 years ago i was with a friend who had a daughter at the time and um the the it wasn't facetime at the time it was some other app that was doing phone calls video phone calls and the little girl the the video part wasn't working and she was trying to talk to her mother and she handed the phone to her father and said i can't talk to her the phone isn't working she thought a phone was a video phone call. She was living in the Jetsons, and I just ah, laughed because ah. she didn't think a phone was just for audio. Huh. That well, was know, 15 years ago. Yeah, you know, as a baby boomer trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old, you know, is also part of this book and part of all of our stories, I think. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. You know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He'd say, son, go change the channel. You know, that, that's that's how we grew up. So well, you grew up, grew up rich because my dad would hand me the pliers and say, change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> 
And see, I think that's that's the major problem now is when we were kids, we were sent outside to play and we, you know, we had to sometimes board games. But most of the time we spent outside. Today, kids are sent away with their cell phones and they just spend all the time looking on their cell phones and chatting with their friends and, and stuff like that. They, they don't know what the world's about. So, Mark, what's the age you're supposed to give your kid a cell phone? Do you have an idea on that? Well, considering that uh, I've got uh, grandkids with cell phones at seven, uh, that that sounds like a pretty pretty good age because now they know how to dial, and you want them to call you. You know, the, you know one of the great things about the you know, being grandparents is the keeping in touch with these kids, uh, and if they have a cell phone, then maybe they can call you. But you know, unfortunately, there's too many of us grandparents that really don't care. You know, they're the you thirty know, percent of us grandparents, us baby boomers, are considered to be remote. And remote means that we really aren't involved in our grandchildren's lives. You know, we may show up at a birthday party, we may see them once at a at holiday, but we really don't care. And you know, that, that's, a, that's a real problem for our generation. I, I, I have a hard time imagining that. I, I just, I, I can't imagine somebody not caring about their grandkids. I have I just... several friends whose children are not letting them see their kids. It seems like it's the parents, the people in the middle. I know two families, two friends of mine who are grandparents who don't get to see their grandkids because their kids said no. And they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't do anything wrong as parents. Well, let's talk about that because they probably did. You know, you know, why do our kids, you know, push us away? You know, well, there's all kinds of reasons. One is we give them unsolicited advice by telling them how to be a parent. Okay, and and I'm sure you with your kids, the the they don't want us to tell them how to be a parent. You know, they they want to do that. We 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 disrespect the boundaries. We show up at their house unannounced. You know, you know that that happens. So we push a lot of it away. You know undermining the parent's uh, ability and authority by challenging them, you know, is, is teaching uh, their children that, that that's a problem. Grandparents question the parents' values and the family structures. You know, none of our kids want us to do that with their children. You know, we tend to play favorites and manipulate the different siblings. Now, I'm sure that if I ask any of the grandparents on this call, who is your favorite, you're gonna say, I have a favorite. But down deep, you do. You really do have a favorite. Uh, and so, so we, we, we do that. That pushes our kids away. You know, we, we transactional control of, uh, of, our, of our grandkids through giving them uh, money or gifts, vacations. Our kids don't like that. They don't want us to get involved in that kind of stuff. You know, and then we, we as a generation, we may have an overall lack of empathy. You know, how to understand and share our feelings with others. You know, this is all so crucial with these little kids. If we don't show that, you know, the parents are going to pull us away. So, you know, grandparents who demand that a child comply and respect them, that pushes them away. So we do much of the damage. And that's one reason why there's so many of us just not involved in raising these kids. Carolyn, I'm curious. What are the, what are the reasons that the kids won't let the grandparents see the grandkids? Is there any? They will not say they've tried to go to therapy with their kids. You know, my friends have tried to go to therapy with their kids and have the conversation and they will not say, they'll say, well, if you don't know, figure it out, which I think is the most immature thing I've ever heard. This is two families I know, and these are really good people. And it's both the same. It's both that. Well, if you don't know, you're going to. That's right. Wow. That's right. I won't go to therapy with you. I won't. And they one did actually go to therapy and halfway through said, yeah, this isn't going to work. 
and left. I mean, I don't understand so it, it either. It's just bitterness over the uh, over uh, something. Something still. Yeah. Uh. And I'm like, you know what? Be a grown up and have a conversation. I mean, that's what we should keep teach these little kids. When you need something, say something. When you want something, say something. If you don't get it, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't get, don't pout. If you didn't have it in the first place, say what you need. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, got a, I got a question. We got one. So. We, have, we, <laughs> we, have, we have two grandparents here. And, and the joke, the running joke for people in my generation is that grandpa always gave you $5 in your birthday card. And by the time grandpa was giving that, it was kind of like, uh, <laughs> thanks, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, what do you give your grandkids in a birthday card? Because that amount of that amount of money is going to be a joke someday. And well, I want to... Yeah. I got tough times. I think five dollars is a little much. (laughs) I just experienced it this weekend. My grandson Jackson turned five, and we flew to Austin, Texas, to be with him during his birthday. And when he opened up his birthday card, there was a five-dollar bill in there. Still five dollars. Holding him up. He's five years old. It's a five-dollar bill. It was great. I thought that was a great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Wow! I, at least I'd give him five two-dollar bills. He would have doubled if I was his grandmother. So hey, or maybe five tens. Uh, right. The expression on his face. He was so excited to brag about his five. That's the most money he's ever gotten in his life. Was a five-dollar bill. Well, yeah, so you and your kids are cheap. That's good. And he's going to go to the store, get one candy bar, and say. Five dollars sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't give our, our granddaughter a card and we bought her a bunch of presents, but she can't read. I ain't wasting money on a card. <laughs> <laughs> she can't but, drive know. herself to the store yet. She's not allowed to go on Amazon. Why give her money? Exactly. <laughs> my exactly. mom, my mom has been giving giving cards away to, to, to the to the grandkids for years. And uh, uh, she realizes they just kind of open the open the envelope and just pull the pull the money out from in between the card. So what she's been doing is when they when they're done, she collects the cards and then uses it the next year. And she's been doing it for several years. She's going to see how many years it takes for them to realize they've been getting the same exact card year after year. I also think it would be nice if she glued the money inside the card. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun to watch them open it. (laughs) I think, Tim, I think you bring up a baby boomer issue because my wife does the same thing. She gives the same card year after year after year. But Dale, you brought up something so important, and I think it's really the crux of everything. You said your daughter, your granddaughter doesn't read at three years old. Well, we as as, as grandparents, you know, what what value add can we add to all this great electronic stuff that they're learning? Well, we can add the value of of reading to them, teaching them to read watching them to read. I mean, when you think about it, these little kids, two, three, and four years old, if we start to get into the routine of reading them a book every night, 
you know, that's going to teach them to read it because that's the skill that they need right now on top of everything else they're learning on the electronic. Now, think about it. You know, what does reading to little kids do? Well, the first thing it does, it creates a bonding. You know, they sit on your lap for 20 minutes and it gives you a chance to really be the, the grandpa that, the, 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 that you want to do. So bonding is great for teaching kids how to read. Another reason we have to teach our kids to read is it supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know at our age that listening skills are the best skills that we possibly can have. I mean, you're doing it here in your podcast. You've got to listen to, to, to create questions and ask things. I've got to use it in my business. I've got to in selling. I've got to listen. So if we can teach these little kids how to sit and read and listen to reading, you know, when we're very young, that's one of the, the value adds that we can create as a generation. You know, cognitive and language development. It helps when you're reading a kid a little book that they start to learn words that they don't know before. I mean, there's plenty of words in these books I don't know. I got to look them up. So, so you know, we should, it helps with the with the communication. And then, you know, the attention span. These, as you know, these two, three, four-year-olds, they bounce off the wall all day. You get them in your lap for 20 minutes, you know, that gives them a chance to concentrate and self-discipline. So those are the traits that we as a baby boomer generation, you know, can start to, to instill on these kids when they're very, very young. I think it's important to show little kids the three stooges so they know how to handle bullies. <laughs> See, I read to my granddaughter a lot, and now she's gotten to the point where she wants to read to me. Of course, she doesn't really read yet, so I have to sit there to listen to the whole story. Go, oh, really? That's what happened? <laughs> wow, that's good. And for 30 minutes. because it Wow, was it's like book. watching a kung fu film without the subtitles. <laughs> well, you know, what you bring up is it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think but how to think. And if you can teach them by reading in these books, how to think, you know, then you've done your job. There you go. And you said before to teach them creativity. And I, I, I kind of disagree because I find little kids to be the most creative creatures in the world. Creativity is taught out of them in school because <laughs> there there's only a right answer and a wrong answer. But I think little kids are incredibly creative. Well, we need to create the curiosity that builds their imaginations. And okay. reading books is one of those ways. My favorite is, I got your nose. <laughs> they, she still hasn't figured out how I do that and pull my finger. <laughs> so, okay, Gramps, we got, uh, we got time for one, uh, one bit of, of advice, of information that you would give to baby boomer grandparents worldwide because we are uh, among the uh, in the top 10 percent of all comedy broadcasts in mexico so uh, i i don't know why because we do them all in english but somebody down there is really liking it so worldwide international is what we say uh what would you have advice for uh for our baby boomer grandparents we need to be more involved in raising these kids. You know, they're young only once. You only have 18 years to make an influence on them. And probably less once they turn teenagers, you only have maybe 10 years, you know, when it comes down to it. So, you know, we have got to get involved in this limited amount of time. We also have to get involved because, you know, we're 16% of the population, but, uh, you know, COVID took, we were 75% of the COVID deaths. So we are dropping right and left faster than any other generation. 
you know, we're here today and gone tomorrow. We've got to take advantage of our time here so that we can influence, because this is going to be the greatest generation ever. You know, they're learning everything electronically. We're going to teach them how to be social. And this will be the most creative group that's ever been born in this country. Thank you. Yeah. And the fact that we're, we're dwindling, our, the baby boomers are dwindling, led us to think, did we really pick the right market for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Mark will help us expand the market right into parents and children. Thanks, Mark. Well, Gramps Jeffrey, a.k.a. Mark Joseph, who has also written another book called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. And that's for entrepreneurs and such. I'd like to beat Walmart with a big stick. I don't really care for that store. But anyhow, where can people find more information on I Don't Want to Turn 3 and your other book, The Secrets of Retailing? They can buy it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, about 100 other sites, or come to my site, scrampsjeffrey.com or I don't want to turn 3.com. Or if any of your listeners want to continue the conversation, have them email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. All right, Gramps Jeffrey with, uh, with two Fs, right? Right. Okay. Gramps Jeffrey at, at email at gmail.com or just gramsjeffrey.com and you can even uh, learn more. Thank you so much, Gramps. You have uh, you've given us a lot to think about as baby boomers and as grandparents, and we really, uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, once again, we would like to thank Gramps Jeffrey, also known as Mark Joseph, for joining us today. He's given us a lot of uh, good information, especially for those of us who are boomer grandparents. But before we go, Carolyn, do you have anything uh, left to say? I think if you have grandchildren, yeah, hug them as often as possible. My favorite memories, actually, some of them are with my grandparents. I knew all four of my grandparents. I knew four of my great grandparents, and I actually have memories of them. So, wow. you know, if you can, if you can spend time with your three, four, five-year-olds, they will actually have a memory of you because I do. Well, that's good. Yeah. Tim, any last words from you? Hey, I'm ecstatic to know that the cost of a birthday card from Grandpa is still only five bucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give her a check. You know, she can't write and endorse it, but (laughs) eventually it'll be okay. Well, folks, thank you for joining us. If you want more uh, more weekly laughs, I encourage you to visit DaleIrvin.com. And there you can sign up for the Friday Funnies for free, where I take the uh, otter news stories of the week and make them even odder. So uh, on the, uh, that all said, thanks for joining us. Go out and enjoy the rest of your day, because today is Another Day Above Ground. And that's it for Another Day Above Ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.